everyone, I'm Ari, here with Rachel, and we're your host for the Memory Writer Podcast. This week we're on episode 179 and we're asking, what is the seven-point plot system? Before we dive into the topic, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening, if you haven't already. And if you enjoy the show, please share it around with friends and write a review. Okay, so there are lots of different plotting methods. If you've been writing for a while, you've probably come across several of them. And if you are trying to figure out which system works best for you, We do recommend, obviously, that you do try different ones because everyone is different and you'll be surprised how many systems there actually are out there. And depending on how your brain works, there might be something that's absolutely perfect for you. For me, it is the seven point plot system that works best, which is why I decided to talk about it. (laughs) I have tried other methods, including pantsing, which actually worked for quite a while. I have tried the beat sheets in Save the Cat. So many people recommended that to me so many people when I first started dealing with outlines and I was struggling I think everybody and his dog was like oh save the cat save the cat and it just didn't work for me and it's weird because I appreciate that the seven point plot system is kind of similar in a way but yeah so that's the one I'm going to talk about just before I carry on Rich did anyone mention the save the cat to you Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And the funny thing is, I have the Save the Cat book, but it's the the screenwriting one. I don't have the novel one. I don't know why. I haven't read it, so I guess that doesn't really matter. But I do have it. It's in my back pocket. So with that said, I've never actually tried the Save the Cat method. But every time I hear people talk about it, they either love it or they hate it. I never see any in between. If people are talking about it, it's because they're saying that it works and you should do it, or they're saying, this is crap, don't do it. I don't know if you've seen both sides of it. I have. I'll have to say, despite the fact that, that I had the book, read the book, tried it and didn't it didn't work for me, I don't hate it and I can completely understand why some people find it really useful. What works for someone won't work for somebody else. And that's why, because there are so many methods out there, you should try different things, even if you think it's not going to work, because you'll be surprised what clicks in. So yeah, I don't hate it, but no, it just, just couldn't work with it. Maybe 15 points, because I think it's 15 beat points, were just too many for me. I just got annoyed by it. Well, it's funny how you mentioned earlier that like for a little while you tried pantsing and it worked for you for a bit. The more I think about it, the more I tell people that, yes, I do outline, but a lot of my outlines have slowly turned into pantsing because I have like a few plot points in mind. I may have the beginning in mind, but then I just write and I let the characters write the story. So... I'm interested to see what you have to say about the seven plot point system, because I probably utilize that and don't realize it, or I probably utilize it in a completely different way from how you're going to explain it. That's it. I think it's the idea of just having certain points, isn't it? It's like when you're pantsing and it's like the story's just flowing, it's great. But then you hit some of those plot holes and then you stuck there for ages. Although, to be honest, even with a, an outline, sometimes you can still hit plot holes, just saying. But uh, anyway, let's move on. So we're talking about the seven point plot system. I'm definitely going to butcher that sometime throughout this. And it's kind of self-explanatory. There are seven points you need to hit in this plot system. Ta-da! podcast over no I'm, just, I'm kidding <laughs> okay so you just take your idea and you slot it into these seven points and that gives you the story arc that you can build on this is not meant to spell out the entire story so intently and that's why i like it because like you said rage you outline part of it and then there's a lot of flexibility that gives the story growth and can move and change and i think that's why i like the seven points because it gives you the points on a graph that that flow in an arc that follow you from 
from the beginning to the end. But because it's only seven points, it has a lot more spaces to give you stretchy time. That sounds weird. <laughs> Might have to cut that out. Might leave it in. Not sure. So with that, let's go through the different points. So the seven points of the structure are the hook, plot turn one, pinch point one, midpoint, pinch point two, plot turn two, and resolution. Let's just go through each one that it represents. So you start with the hook. Kind of obvious. This is the start of your story. It's where you nine times out of ten meet your main character and they're in their current normal situation, going about their lives, regular routine, how it is, you know, before anything changes. That is the hook. From there you move to the next one, the plot term one, which is actually your inciting incident. So the point that forces the story forward and changes something in the character's life, it puts them on a new path or creates conflict, something that changes them from their typical regular routine to new different so that's it and let's be honest that is the one that should be hitting either chapter one or at least chapter two i would never go further than chapter two to get you inciting incident in i have read so many books recently where the inciting incident didn't occur until like chapter five that is too late seriously what is going on with these writers who are leaving their inciting incident for ages we don't need five chapters of the mundane crap your character was living in i am sorry but no got on a bit of a tangent but i have to say it all right. Chapter five. Yeah, I agree with you. That's that's a bit much. But you say that you should have like the plot turn in like chapter two or something. I don't know if this is still the same, but like way, way back in the day, it's always been the first like three chapters. I remember when I first like a long, long time ago, I used to query stuff to agents and they would always want the first three chapters because they wanted the hook and the inciting incident. And yeah, why chapter two? I've always known it to be chapter two because it's either it's either in chapter one at the end like a dun 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 moment at the end of chapter one or you right at the end of chapter one there's that touch of oh something's about to change and then in chapter two is the reveal of this is what's changing now now it gotcha. maybe it was maybe it was chapter three i personally think three chapters three chapters is a little too much i think it needs to be in chapter two because if you're not grabbed them with the inciting incident you might lose readers i don't think readers want to go on and on reading too much and you have to think about what is in chapter one if it's not leading into the inciting incident. If you've just got a chapter one that does nothing and doesn't give you anything even hinting at the inciting incident, then it's pointless. And if it does hint at the inciting incident, but then the inciting incident doesn't happen until chapter three, that's what's chapter two doing? So maybe they wanted three chapters. One, because they had the hook. The second one was the inciting incident. And then the third one was just after the inciting incident. And it was like, where are they going now? Maybe that's why they wanted it. I don't know. No, you bring up excellent points. You really do. <laughs> and I agree with everything that you say. But... My other thing is, if you're reading a sequel, whether it's book two, three, five, whatever, I've noticed that with a lot of sequels, the first couple of chapters is reintroducing the characters, reintroducing old characters, introducing new characters, and kind of doing a brief recap of everything that happened in the previous book, if the series goes in like consecutive order. So I have noticed that where they don't quite get to the plot turn or even the main hook until like the third of the fourth chapter or like the first chapter is that I'm reintroducing everybody the second chapter is kind of like the first chapter of the new story and then the third chapter is the plot turn 
I think if it's a series that flows, not like a series that's episodic, if it's one of those that flows through consecutively, mm-hmm. I can understand that. Because usually there'll have been a cliffhanger at the end of book one, and then book twos, or any book number, the last book will have had a cliffhanger, hopefully, to get you to read book two or whatever. And then the first chapter will be almost like them dealing with that cliffhanger, even if there's another inciting incident that's going to kick off. So I can understand it being an inciting incident kicking off in, in, in chapter two. So yeah, I'll allow it. But it, if we're talking Thank about... you. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. If we're talking about book one, my personal experience and my personal preference, and let's always throw that in. I'm not. Well, I am judging people. Good God, I definitely judged people a minute ago when I was yelling about it. But I think if you haven't got your inciting incident in chapter two, well, there's a bit of a problem. That's my thought. I don't think that people have the focus anymore to wait for chapters three, four, and five before something really happens, and then you have to address what the heck have you put in chapter one and two that nothing is happening. We shouldn't have that much information about what's going on in the world and the people remember we need to sprinkle that through so but yeah that's just a thought <laughs> i have no idea where i was at up to where am i up to one sec okay let's head back to the topic sorry i kept asking questions <laughs> no you can always ask questions always not always good at answering them but okay so from from what did i just say oh yeah, from plot turn one we move to our pinch point one and obviously it's a pinch so we're talking about applying pressure to the character this is where you start ramping things up if you want to bring in some villains and some antagonists that's a great time to throw them into the path of your main character and sort of stir the pot pinch point one is stirring the pot making things a bit more difficult from there you move to midpoint which kind of obvious it's the middle of your story and it's that nice as you kind of get to the top part of the arc if we're going through the story arc and your mc should be shifting from reactive to active so instead of going oh my god why have i been given special powers it's like right i'm going to use these special powers we need to be making decisions rather than just being shunted along passively. So this is also when they realise that the villain is, oh my gosh, really dangerous and that the situation is becoming dire. When they get smart, that's what we call it. When they get smart and realise shit. That's the midpoint. So I feel like in order to get to the midpoint, that hinge point is the MC being stupid. I feel like in a lot of ways they create their own pressure because they're either in denial or they're just not paying attention and they just, they see what's going on, but they're not comprehending it. Yeah, it's that kind of like, I don't want to be special. I just want to go to school. (laughs) I hate that. I hate. Nobody wants to go to school. Seriously. That's one of the issues I've always (laughs) had with certain YA books where some teenagers been granted like powers of God. And what are they doing? Whinging about wanting to go to math class. It's like, are you kidding? Give it back. You don't deserve these powers. Sorry. (laughs) No, no. You're not allowed to have them anymore. You want to be normal. Nobody ever wanted to be normal when they were a teenager. Jeez. What a lot of rubbish. (laughs) Sorry. That's just our little rant about YA teenagers. So where were we? Okay, so we're now talking about pinch point two. So we're doing a bit more pinching. Obviously, that means more pressure. Great time for the big fail to slap the character in the face. This is obviously when things get really bad and they try and fail miserably. Maybe they lose. Maybe somebody dies, you know. It's very much the darkest hour, you know, before the dawn where they're at their lowest point. They've gone into battle and lost. Had their ass handed to them by the villain or whoever. And they're about to do that kind of throw their toys out the pram, go home, don't want to do it anymore. They're not special. I'm not the 
one. You got it wrong, man. That kind of crap. We've all seen it in movies. We've all seen it in movies. That's your pinch point two, which obviously then swiftly takes us to our plot turn two. That will be our upswing, because let's be honest, if you've had your darkest moment and you failed miserably, the only really place you can go is up. So far down, you can only go up. So this is where we're moving our main character out of failure and moping about it and shoving them forward. This is where, in too many movies, their mentor or their best friend comes doop-de-dooping along with their uplifting speech to rally them, you know, about how great they are and we can't do it without you, man. You're the one. Blah, blah, blah. Really gets you in the feels. But whatever it is, it gets the main character to move their butts and start aiming for success in the grand battle. There might be a montage running up and down steps, trying to be better, trying to do the, you know, the lifting weights, learning how to suddenly use magic that they've been carrying around for ages and only just decided that maybe they should actually train. I don't know. That's what you're looking at here. That's the plot point. Moving them into the position so they're ready to fight the battle again. Dun, dun, dun. The montage is like the best part of like any movie. (laughs) Does that include those annoying rom-com ones where they montage changing outfits? Well, that, yeah, no, that's boring. A lot of times the the outfits aren't even that great. That just reminds me of, I guess, 27 dresses. This is Yeah, I was just thinking of that. (laughs) Yeah, 27 dresses. Yeah, and she empties out the whole closet. Although, but to be fair, it was the point that the dresses were horrible. Oh my God. That was actually the point. Yes. So I guess we can give that one a pass. (laughs) (laughs) I always, whenever I think of a montage, that's the one I end up going to, is the trying on the the different dresses. And it's like, oh my God, this movie is already too long. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. But best montage, even though it's animated, is Big Hero 6. Yes. They got immortals playing. I mean, that's, yeah. If you're going to have a montage in your book, if you can do a montage in your book that's not a movie, think of Big Hero 6. Aim for that. That's the bar. That was good, though, because I had all the weaponry. So you were like, yeah, it's better than dresses. It's better than someone trying on hideous dress after hideous dress. So the only thing is, montages are completely unrealistic because I can't work like that. And so montages are great, but they also make me feel a little bit bad about myself. Oh, you should never feel bad about yourself. <laughs> Do we need to get the, the mentor in to, to give you the, the uplifting speech? The God damn it, get out there and do it, my man. You could do it. I mean, no, if I could just put on a song and then during the duration of that song do like six months worth of work, that would be great. I agree. That would be good. That would be good. Okay, I've again forgotten what we're up to, what we're doing. That was plot point two. Yes, that was the uplifting speech, the montage moment, getting ready for the great battle, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so we're now on to our last point where we hit the resolution. So this is the climax of the story and then leading into that slowdown. So this is where we resolve the conflict, we defeat the villain, we save the village, find the treasure or whatever the hell your, your character is meant to be doing. This is the closure you give the reader. And then in the very end is when things sort of settle down after, you know, the grand battle. And then we see the main character in the new situation, e.g. they've moved from lowly shepherd to saviour of the city. I don't know. Is it a book like that? I don't know. But yeah. And one of the points that was made about this system is that the hook, which is the first one, and the resolution should be the opposite of each other. Okay? So give me a sec. Let me try and come up with one. We're going to use Beauty and the Beast. At the beginning in Beauty and the Beast, we're talking about the animated cartoon because I haven't read the story. Belle is living in France with her crazy dad and everyone thinks she's a bit of a weirdo, but she seems happy enough. She's okay. And then if you flick right to the end of the movie, it's the complete opposite of that. She's living in a palace. She has some... Is he a prince? Is he a prince? Where's the king? Must be a principality. 
he is a prince. I don't know where his parents are. Yeah, because you'd think if they'd gone, then he would have been uh, ascended the throne. But maybe they're right. somewhere else yeah. and just didn't give a crap that he turned into a giant monster. But hey, so he is no well, longer. Everybody forgot about him. Yeah. That was part of the spell. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> so his parents didn't even. But then it just means that the king and queen or the king or whoever wasn't ruling over the land ever. So nope. anyway, yeah, we digress. Right? weird. But yeah, so <laughs> she's gone from weirdo in a village that happy but sings too much to now a princess living in a castle with servants. She's now accepted. Everybody thinks she's great. Blah, blah, blah. Opposites. So that's the whole point. The hook and the resolution in a lot of stories, not saying everybody's story, is the opposite. So that's a good way of doing it. You start with the, the hook and work out how is your character starting off in the story and what is the very opposite of that? Boom. Same with like Cinderella. She was, what was she? <laughs> she was this like almost like a servant kind of character to her, to her, what's the word? Stepmother. That's the word. Step and her stepsisters. Mother. And then again, treated like a serf. And now she's in a palace, treated like a princess. Opposites. That's where we're going with this, people. Just keep up, keep up. Moral of the story, if you want people to like you, be find a prince, apparently. <laughs> That's why we, we, we don't like the original the original movies where it's like, I need to be saved. My entire existence mm-hmm. needs to be changed by some dude on a horse. Usually. Well, you know what? That's actually a really good point about the hook and the resolution being complete opposites because you can have the beginning, the character may want something and then throughout their journey, they end up getting that in the end. So in a way, it's still kind of opposites. They're a different person. They've changed, but they did end up getting what they aimed for or they might have wanted something and then they themselves changed throughout their journey journey throughout their journey and they ended up not getting what they wanted because they no longer wanted it or they saw the errors of their way or whatever or you could be like in the disney movies and you could just be one person not seeing a future for yourself really and you just don't know what you want and then by the end you realize oh hey this is this is something look at me i'm a princess (laughs) so that's the way it can go opposites in many different ways it's not like it's not like the character needs to be one way and then the resolution, they get what they want. They don't have to get what they want. They can just... The whole point is they're supposed to change throughout the story. Yes. Growth. That's what I'm trying to say. In yes. either direction. Uh-huh. And with that, I'm going to throw in the caveat. Yes, there are stories that don't have closure that can leave you with that kind of cliffhanger of like, wait, what? What? Cliffhanger? Cliffhanger where you're unsure of where the story is going. Especially if it's a standalone book and you're like, but what happened? There are books like that. They're horrible and I hate them, but there are books like that. And that's just the way it is. And obviously it can be a sad and a tragic ending. You can have a character who had everything and lost it they could have been the hero of the story at the very beginning and through whatever happens they end up being vilified which could even lead on to they being the the villain of the next book so many things you can do the idea of the opposites it doesn't have to be you know start off crap end up as a princess not that being you know not a princess is is crap because let's be honest most of us are not princesses so so yeah that you know there is that concept that it doesn't have to be a happy ending it doesn't have to be people gaining anything they could be losing everything they could be becoming the villain it could be a tragic ending just like Shakespeare he likes some tragic endings I believe where the hell am I going with this give me a minute the concept is there should be a form of resolution the book should have an ending even if it's a temporary reprieve to the main character before the next battle thinking Lord of the Rings but the first book the the individual book should have beginning middle and end so the resolution should have some form of end sense end sense that doesn't even sound right in my head but never mind (laughs) let's push on so with that I like this because it's the bare bones structure that I like. I write in scenes and I 
how my stories come to me is random ideas or random characters or random situations will hit me in the head and then I start building from that and what I do is I come up with plot points I don't say right they start here and end I literally have like okay well there's going to be this battle or oh they need to find this thing or this person's going to die and it's a big chunk of something that's going to happen in the story and I end up with like several of these so this system works because most of those chunky ideas I get slot in really nicely oh that's the middle point that's the hook that's the resolution and that's why I like it it gives me the opportunity to sort of set the points in place create my arc so I know where the heck I'm going and then I can build from it and flesh it out so whenever I get a new idea I just drop my notes into a plot system and I actually have this written out these seven points in my Scrivener folder so the first thing I do whenever I start a new project (laughs) so many new projects I open it up and then I have my seven points and as the ideas come I start to slot them in and then from each idea it kind of dominoes off each other so when you know your hook so you know that the character is lonely shepherd boy living in a field cold okay so what's going to get changed it's going to get hit by a comet and suddenly become magical this is a really bad idea but there it is so it's like okay so what happens after that what does he do with his sheep what does he do with his life how do people treat him and all these questions then move it up and then you can sort of flesh it out and that's why I like it and once I filled this in I then leave it on the back burner and carry on (laughs) working on my current projects sometimes and that's why I like it. Rachel, what are your thoughts on the seven point plot system? I don't use it. <laughs> like the little answer. So, I mean <laughs> no, the more we talk about it, the more I realize that I don't well, okay. Well that's a lie. I do use it. I don't use it in like an outlining type of way. I think I utilize it more during my edits because when I outline, I usually just kind of keep a list or like a list of plot points and I have like a general beginning. I have a general ending and then I know kind of sort of what the climax is going to be. But I also write murder mysteries. So I feel like that's a little more cut and dry in a way because obviously most murder mysteries are the same. You introduce the characters a murder happens they investigate they find the suspect or the culprit and well usually the suspect would be that would be what one of the plot turns what did we just say pinch point one of the pinch pinch points points maybe because you get a you get a suspect and then it turns out it's not him so you're like oh no back to the drawing board and then you find the culprit and then it's woo resolved so i feel like it's a little more more or less the same every time you just have a different cast of characters and a different type of death pretty much but yeah it's not until like I do the edits that I really kind of take everything that I wrote and mush it all together to create that seven point plot system well that's it it's like a lot of plot methods can be quite useful even if you don't use them fully you know if you don't like um go full in saying yes i'm using this specifically to outline my novel i know some writers who use the snowflake method but not intensely they don't go like full in all oh, this is exactly how it's going to be or even the the beat sheets in the save a cat i've known some people who use like a few of the beat points and just stick with that and then sort of like flesh it out a different way so yeah in the end it does all come back down to what works for you and if you're not sure or if you've tried something and it's not worked exactly what you want definitely try different things i mean we might try and see about getting other people on the podcast eventually who have tried different methods and that work for them and get them on and then they can talk about why it works for them but uh yeah i think there, there is no perfect method for everybody obviously but sometimes you have to say that because people seem to go on saying things like how is the best way of outlining it's like there is no best way 
there's only the best way for you and might take a while to figure that out so yeah that's why i just wanted to talk about this because if you've never tried it you might want to give it a go or you might go that sounds crap and that's fine too if it's not your way it's not your way so with that said let's turn it over to you guys and ask what method of plotting do you use obviously if you're a plotter and have you ever tried the seven point plot system let us know your answers in the comments so we can chat about it remember we release new episodes every wednesday next week we're discussing how to stay motivated with writing when you have adhd and we're having a special guest on to ensure you don't miss it hit the subscribe button on your way out and as always thanks for listening to the merry writer podcast see you next week this podcast is brought to you by Sticky Notes. Our walls are covered. The music titled Inspired is by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons 4.0.